In some ways, I'm so excited in this journey to be here now so we can look at this is God's plan. Now, what I will tell you is just like with us saying, this is what I want people to say about me at my funeral and then reverse engineering. What we're going to see in Revelation 21 and 22 is you're actually going to see this is the way God intends the world. And as believers, our job is to make sure we're starting to sow into that now. If you believe what's written in the Bible is true, then you have to look at the contrast between how things began and how things are now. Many people look at the world as it is and rightly ask, if there's a loving God, why did he make the world like this? And Pastor Daniel is going to help answer that question today. Through the time of the eternal reign of Jesus, you'll be shown what God's idea of how the earth should be and will look like. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 21 as he begins his message, All Things New. So in order to go anywhere, you actually need to know what your destination is. You're starting at a place and you need to get somewhere else. First, you need to know where you're going. And then depending on how much time you have, then you kind of determine In order to get from here to here, this is how you're going to do this. It's just basic, right? How many of you use the Maps app on your phone? Does anyone else other than me ever wonder how I got anywhere before I had that thing? Because I literally don't know how I survived up until the time I had a Maps app. Because I'm like, I don't even know where things are. It's interesting to me that you have to know where you're going. I've driven across the country numerous times. And a couple of those times were by myself. So I remember when Lynn and I, when we first got married, actually we were probably married three years at the time, when we moved back to the Bay Area, uh, we had been living in New Jersey, you guys planted a church there, and we got married, and we had Obadiah, and I remember we were going to move back, and the idea of putting my son, who was almost at that time two years old, the idea of putting him in a minivan and driving across the country sounded like it was like, that would... I'd end up in a straight jacket after that. Anybody do a 3,000-mile road trip with a two-year-old boy? Yeah, no, you don't want that. So we didn't either. So I decided, I'm like, listen, and because I have to go from New Jersey all the way to California, I'm going to put Lynn and Obadiah on a plane. And then I'm going to like drive across the country. And I did that drive all by myself. I took I-40, which is the southern route. It was funny. I was driving a minivan. Now, I'm just going to teach you guys this because my mistakes will be good learning lessons. You got to make sure you get the right size U-Haul to go with your minivan. If you don't, the car goes about 45 miles an hour and shakes the whole way, which I'm the guy who gets the too big U-Haul on the small minivan. And I'm like literally driving across the country with my hazards on because the whole van is shaking. It was so funny. I was trying to make it across the country. And right as I hit Albuquerque, New Mexico, and this was right around Thanksgiving time. This is many, many years ago now. All of a sudden, all the weather reports come. There's a big storm coming. I'm like, oh man, so now I'm trying to race this storm between Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I had to get to like the other side of, it was probably like, um, I think it was like Flagstaff, Arizona, that stretch, because then you go down a bunch of elevation, and then you're kind of in the sunshine of Arizona and Southern California, but I remember just driving, it was such a mess, and then I thought to myself, I probably should have done this differently, but at least Lynn and Obadiah weren't in the car. The wind was gushing, but listen, if wherever you're trying to get to, you need to know... This is where I want to go. And then 
because of this is where I want to go, this is how I'm going to get there. Now, that's not only true for going on vacation or going on a road trip, moving across the country. That's also true for life. There's nothing worse than living life in such a way that you don't even have any sort of thought about what I want to become, who I want to be, where am I going? One of the best pieces of advice I ever got from people, from someone, was when they told me, you know, Daniel, you really need to think about what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? It's kind of a strange thing, isn't it? But really, if you think about what do I want people to say about me at my funeral, then you reverse engineer your life so that you actually become that person so that people will say that. Because how many of you have ever been to a celebration of life where people were kind of happy the person was gone? I've been at a lot of those. Like where sometimes people are biting their tongues and sometimes like, man, I've been wanting to say this for 40 years. He was so mean, you know? Like, so like literally you have to think about this is what I want people to say about me. You need to reverse engineer your life. But literally, I had to sit down and like, okay, what do I want my bride Lynn to say about me at my funeral? What do I want her to say about me? I want her to say he was kind. He was grace-filled. He loved me. He was for me. I'm going to miss him. What do I want my kids to say about me? I definitely want to be like, man, thank God dad's not here. He's not going to be yelling at me every morning. You know, like, or man, never like talking to dad before he had some coffee. Like, there's all these things I don't want them to say. But I want them to say, man, my dad was the real deal. Who my dad was in the pulpit was who he was at home. You know what I mean? My dad really loved Jesus. You go through it all and you say, if this is what I want people to say about me, then I need to reverse engineer my life so that I'm actually being that person now so that maybe people say it to me later. Sometimes I think that we should have like a celebration of life for each one of us. We have to go to it, but no one will know we were there when we're 30. And then again, when we're 50. And then again, when we're 70. Because in some ways, we need to know what are we trying to accomplish? Now, what's also pretty amazing about all of this is that God has a plan that he's trying to accomplish as well. And really, we've been studying the book of Revelation together now, and now we're at the part in the book of Revelation where we see what God has been working out. Because we've seen in Revelation 19 and 20, Jesus comes back and and he's setting everything right. And really in Revelation 21 and 22, now we see this was God's plan. This is the way God wanted things to work. And God has now taken the things that were wrong and he said it right again. And so in some ways, I'm so excited in this journey to be here now. So we can look at this is God's plan. Now, what I will tell you is just like with us saying, this is what I want people to say about me at my funeral and then reverse engineering. What we're going to see in Revelation 21 and 22 is you're actually going to see this is the way God intends the world. And as believers, our job is to make sure we're starting to sow into that now, walk in that now. What we're going to really see is that a lot of the things that are going to go on in heaven are things that you and I as followers of Jesus are already getting to experience on this side of eternity. And so it's going to be very profound for us, but it'll give us a vision and a view for what life is supposed to be for each one of us. So open your Bibles, the book of Revelation, chapter 21, Revelation 21, the second to last chapter in your Bible. And there is so much in these chapters. I'm always amazed. I was talking to someone, and they said, Daniel, I don't exactly know how you're doing this. I'm like, man, the amount of stuff that's on the chopping floor that I don't talk about There's so much in all of this. And I want to encourage you, we're just 
trying to get the big ideas, but there's so much depth in all of these verses. So Revelation 21, verse 1, it says this. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away, verse 4, every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, verse 5, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, there's so much to unpack here, but what these verses teach us is that Jesus makes all things new. It's right here in these verses, right? Verse five, behold, I make all things new. Verse four, for the former things have passed away. See, what God is interested in is taking things and making them new. So we saw in Revelation 19 and in Revelation 20, Jesus kind of establishing everything in the earth. Now, at the end of Revelation 20, after the millennial kingdom of Jesus that we talked about, we saw that there's this throne set up and the heavens and the earth flees away from God. And then we say, and now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So what we learn here is that everything that we think of heaven and earth, all of that stuff is temporary. And I think it's really important that we make sure that we realize and we focus on eternal things. Now, according to our Bibles, there's only three eternal things. God is eternal, people are eternal, and God's word is eternal. Everything else is temporary. So it is very important for us to make sure that in all that we do in life, that we focus on eternal things, not only temporary things. Now, at the same time, it's important to say that even though this earth that we're living on and heaven, that they're temporary, it is also important that we make sure that we're good stewards of our earth. Now, one of the big issues I think we have today, and I talk about this all the time, so sorry for being a broken record, is that when you let politics define the way you think about things, you will always miss what the Bible says about it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So when people talk about stewarding God's creation and we make it a political issue, I know that we can't have a rational discussion or a biblical discussion because when politics are involved, people become irrational and unbiblical. Oh, see what I'm doing there? I'm just like laying it out like that for you guys, just like kind of pushing on it. Now, here's the deal. Stewarding God's creation was the original mandate God gave to Adam. And God holds all of us accountable for the stewardship of our lives. 
don't fight me. Go read Genesis 1 and 2. Read about the creation account. God created everything. He said, I've created this. This, my invisible attributes are clearly seen in this, and your job is to steward it. So even though this earth is going to pass away, our job is not to expedite it. Because we're going to be here until the new heaven and new earth comes on in. So our job is to steward it well. God is glorified when we steward his creation well because his invisible attributes are clearly seen. The heavens declare the glory of God and all he's created shows his attributes to everybody. So we do have a responsibility while we're here to make sure we steward it, but never forget that this earth is gonna be replaced by a new heavens and a new earth because God wants to make things new. I love this idea of God making all things new. It's, this has been a verse that's been popping up a bunch. And this is Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19. People have been quoting it to me. I feel like God shared it with me earlier in the year where it says, God says, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God is all about making things new. I love that idea that he's going to make rivers in the desert. The King James Bible calls it streams in the desert. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're going through a tough season, and even if you're not, you're going to want to write this down because at some point you will be. There's a beautiful daily devotion called Streams in the Desert. It was written by Mrs. Charles Cowan. So Charles Cowan and his wife were missionaries, and he got sick on the mission field. And she spent the rest of her life caring for her husband who was bedridden. And really what she did was she compiled an anthology of encouragement for hard seasons. And it's been put into a daily devotional where you can read a little bit every day. It's like a little paragraph or a couple pages. If you want a great daily reader, I love Streams in the Desert. I've read it many times over many, many years. And it's one of those things, it's that idea of when you think of a river or a stream in a desert. Water is great, but when you're in a desert and all of a sudden there's a stream, it's like it is so nourishing. And it comes right out of that verse, Isaiah 43, verse 19. But God's desire is to make all things new. And so God's going to bring in a new heaven. He's going to bring in a new earth. And there's going to be no more sea. It's interesting. It says in verse 2 that John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And we're going to see a lot about the new Jerusalem a little bit later in the chapter. Then he says in verse 3, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So the beauty of this new heavens and new earth, this new thing that God is doing is that God is going to dwell in the midst of his people and he's going to call them his people. He's going to be their God and he's going to be with them. Now, what's powerful about this is if you're a follower of Jesus, you realize that we don't have to wait for heaven for God to dwell with us, to be our God, and for us to be his people, we're actually experiencing that right now. Because the Gospel of John tells us that the word speaking of Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you look in the Greek language, that word for dwelt among us is literally the Greek word for tabernacled among us. So, The beauty of what we're seeing here is God's future plan for us is to be in the new heaven and the new earth with him where he tabernacles, he dwells with us, he's with us, we're his people and he's our God. But if you're a follower of Jesus, that's actually what Jesus came on his first advent to do. So you and I get to experience now the beauty of what God wants to bless us with later. You realize how profound that is? So I reject the idea that I get to experience heaven when I die. If you read your Bibles, you get to experience heaven on earth. 
which is the presence of Jesus, knowing God, you being one of his persons, his people. And for us, we experience heaven on earth because we get to know God. And then we get to experience in heaven in heaven when it's all said and done as well. And this to me is why following Jesus is so extraordinary because I don't have to wait for heaven for everything to be great. Like this whole thing, like I give up on this life so I get heaven later. No, no, we get heaven now and we get heaven later. I like to call this the fully maximized life. Some people are like, man, I'm going to go, go crazy now because later is going to be lousy because I don't believe in God. I'm going to be separated from God. No, we get to experience heaven on earth and then we get to experience heaven in heaven. And that is very profound. When was the last time you thought about your life as my life is the dwelling place of God? But if you read your Bible, the Bible literally says that God's purpose in saving you in Christ is that the spirit of God could take up residence. God can dwell in you. You become an outpost for heaven in this world by the mere presence of the spirit of God within you. Jesus dwelling with us. That is who we are in Christ. And he is our God and he shows us who we are. So what's amazing is that what we see about this new heaven and new earth is that it is actually the culmination or the fulfillment of what God has already started in each one of us. Look at verse six. It says, it is done. Do you see that? Didn't Jesus say it is finished somewhere else? Where did he say that? On the cross. He said, it is finished. So at the cross, it is finished. And now in the new heavens and new earth, he says, it is done. Now, what does that mean? Now, I need to teach you this. And this is very, very important. The work of God and the work of God's kingdom is already and not yet. Everyone say already and say, and not yet. Now, someone's about to say, well, Fusco, which one is it? Is it already or not yet? Now, I learned this for the first time, this concept when I was in college. I remember I was studying psychology because I was trying to keep myself out of a straitjacket. And so I was like, I'll study psychology. I'll figure how, about how messed up I was. And I heard about the self-actualization pyramid. And really what it is, is it's a hierarchy of needs. And in the beginning, it's like you're just trying to get food. You're trying to make sure you stay alive and you need food and shelter and all these things. But then as you get farther up this kind of hierarchy of needs, you end up landing at the top where it's called the resolution of dichotomies. Which literally is this idea that things are and aren't at the same time. And I remember when I was in college, I heard that. I'm like, man, that's pretty deep. I needed to go get high and think about this for a while. (laughs) I didn't know Jesus at the time. So I did get high. I did think about it. It didn't make any more sense to me because I was completely bleary-eyed. But that's a different discussion for another day. But what's amazing is is the idea of the resolution of dichotomy stuck in my head. And it didn't make any sense to me until I got clean and sober and I started reading the Bible. And I realized that actually so much of what God is doing in our life is the ability to hold together two things that seem to be contradictory, but they're actually happening at the same time. Like, at the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. Why? Because he conquered the power of sin and death. So it's done. It's done. But really, does anybody think that sin and death has completely gone out of the world? We live in a world that's drenched by it. So really what you have is, it is done, but then now in the new heaven and new earth, it's like, oh yeah, now it's really in its fulfillment. In the same way, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Bible says that you are perfect in Christ. Anybody want to be here be like, bro, I am fully realized, perfect in Christ. Anyone want to have some fun? Can I get a contestant? Bueller, Bueller. I'll just get the person close to you. Hey, so-and-so says that they're perfect. 
And they're like, oh, oh, really? Well, let me tell you what they did last night, right? It's like, that's how that goes. And so, but you are perfect. Like, if you were to die right now, you are perfect in Christ. But you also, at the moment you get saved, you begin this process that the Bible calls being sanctified, where you're constantly growing and experiencing more of the perfection of Christ that is true, but it's already and not yet. And in the same way, the work of God is done, but it's already and it's not yet. We're, we're looking forward to its fulfillment. So we live in this time of tension where it is and we're awaiting its fulfillment. So we know that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords because he is. But we know in the new heaven and new earth or in the millennial kingdom, that's when it'll be in its fullness. So we're navigating this, but while we're navigating, we need to remember that God has already finished the work in Jesus. And really, that work that he's doing is very powerful. Now look at what's going to go on, and this is going to be so beautiful, I can't wait for this. Verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. And my friends, I want you to like circle that in your Bible or in your neighbor's Bible if you're too holy to circle things in your Bible. You know, circle that. Because I realize we live in a world that's full of a lot of pain. We live in a world full of brokenness, tears, problems. But there will come a day when every tear will be no more, where all the pain will be finished. Death and loss will not be what happens. And that gives us great encouragement as we look forward to what the future may hold. Because for so many, for so much of our lives, I think the biggest struggle that we have is we fail to remember that when we're going through the hardest times. Like when things are really gnarly, when things are painful, we forget that there's coming a day when there'll be no more pain. When we're grieving death, it's hard to grab hold of the fact that there's going to come a time when there is no more death. When our eyes are puffy red from weeping, it's hard to have the faith of a mustard seed to remind us that there's coming a day when God was going to wipe away the tears from all of our eyes. But the Apostle Paul told the church in Romans chapter 8, for I am convinced that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in the children of God. The Apostle Paul told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians, for this temporary light affliction is but for a moment, but it's working in us a far greater weight of glory. And my friends, I want us to be the kind of people that when we are suffering as it happens on this side of eternity, that we're the kind of people who take that long view. That when we're grieving death, we remember that there's coming a day when death will be no more. When our eyes are bloodshot from crying, we remember that our God is going to wipe away every tear from every eye. When we are in pain, be it mental anguish or emotional anguish or a dark night of the soul, spiritual anguish, that we're the kind of people who will remember that there's going to come a day when pain will be no more. Jesus is So according to Pastor Daniel, you get to experience heaven on earth right now because Jesus came down to be with his people. That's an amazing concept to think about, isn't it? 
But if you reflect on your life before knowing Jesus compared to after you knew him, you know that what Pastor Daniel is saying is true. The presence of the Son of God in your life has certainly made the difference between life and death for you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share more from his teaching, All Things New. You'll hear more about what Jesus had to say about himself and how he is the source of all things new that are going to happen on the earth. Pastor Daniel is going to be talking about how God helped you get through tough times. You'll hear about the benefits of perseverance and the rewards for those who stick it out. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, A Year of Revelation. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.